You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. On today's podcast, we're going to go around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, visit with Bills game analyst Mark Kelso, plus Vikings broadcaster Ben Lieber. But let's kick off the podcast with Peter King from the MMQB. Now, it's time for 2010 National Sports Writer of the Year, Peter King from MMQB on the NFL on TuneIn. Peter, always a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. Let's start in London. Carson Palmer, broken left arm, out for two months. Fair to wonder if today was his last game? Uh, Very good question. Um, My feeling is that he still loves playing. We had a conversation about this in training camp. And my feeling is that he's probably going to try to play either in Arizona or somewhere in 2018. Now, we'll see how he feels. We'll see how uh we'll see what happens if he can come back for the last game or two. Carson Palmer loves Bruce Arians. He loves Bruce Arians' game plans and he believes that this is the perfect spot on planet Earth for him. So, I would not be surprised if the Arizona Cardinals draft a quarterback in the first round and use Carson Palmer in 2018 uh, to break him in uh, to start opening day 2019. Peter, Nick Ferguson here. Uh, Earlier in the season, uh, you and I discussed on this program after Cam Newton put, you know, back-to-back 300 yards, 300 touchdowns, three touchdown games together, whether the old MVP was back. Now we've seen him have two games where he's thrown more than uh, two interceptions in a game. What do you think is the issue with Cam and his inconsistency? I think it has to do with three things. Number one, I think that the the Panthers do not have the kind of power running game. When I saw them in training camp, Nick, uh, Ron Rivera, Mike Shula were adamant. They said, we are going to have a power running game this year. Well, where is it? I haven't seen it seen it very fleetingly. That's number one. Number two, they have yet to figure out a way to seamlessly get uh, Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel uh, sort of folded into this offense and having the kind of offense that they wanted to have, which in essence was an offense that would, uh, more than anything else, throw change-ups at defenses all game long. And then number three, I still think that Cam is struggling uh, with accuracy. It's something that he has struggled with at times in his career. He definitely looks like he's struggling right now. So those are the three things that if I were uh, sort of examining this team, that's where I think the problems are. Taking you around the league with Peter King, MMQB.com. Peter, three teams shut out today and some historical shutouts. Broncos blank for the first time since 1992. Colts shut out for the first time since 1993. Six more were held under 10 points. Is this an aberration, or can we have some takeaways about what's going on across the league defensively? Uh, aberration, here's the one thing that, that I noticed. Um, you know, look, things change so quickly in the NFL – 
I mean, I talked to uh, both Matt Moore and Kenny Stills after the game in, in Miami today. I mean, it was three weeks ago that the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Miami Dolphins got shut out uh, in uh, uh, London and looked absolutely terrible. And since then, they have beaten Tennessee, uh, Atlanta, and the Jets in succession, coming back from big deficits behind them. And now, when you get shut out by the New Orleans Saints, I mean, you can think whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. But when I saw that, I said, that's it for the Dolphins this year. We were all wrong about them. And now, as we sit here right now, they're in a three-way tie for first place with New England and Buffalo. This, I just think overall, we are in an unprecedented season of parity right now in the NFL. We're 28 of the 32 teams as we sit here right now. 28 of the 32 teams have between two and four losses. It's amazing. It's, I, I, I have to believe that this has never happened before. And so with, with us looking at this, it's set up to be a season of absolute total unpredictability. Peter, Jay Cutler uh, left the game uh, with what appeared to be an upper chest injury, uh, and I guess the team is not really letting on to uh, the magnitude and severity of that, and Matt Moore comes in, and he goes 13-21, to 21, 188 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception similar to Jay Cutler, who he replaced, what is the outlook for Cutler? But more importantly, what is the outlook for this Miami Dolphins team who you're just talking about and Matt Moore being their quarterback? Nick, I think right now I'd be very surprised because they got the quick turnaround. They play Thursday night in Baltimore. I'd be very surprised if uh, if Jay Cutler is going to be okay to play. He's getting x-rays and a possible MRI tonight. Uh, I was told uh, about an hour ago that they're not going to know final results for sure of what they're going to do until the morning. Uh, but I've got to believe, and Armando Salguero, the Miami Herald, is reporting tonight that it's definitely going to be more Thursday in Baltimore. But we'll see. I mean, I, I think what, what I believe happened, look, Jay Cutler led this team to 42 points in the previous four games. You're not going to win many games or any games if you're scoring 10 points a week. So I think that, that the Dolphins probably are going to try to ride the hot hand at least Thursday night and see if Moore can get one more victory. Peter, as always, we value the information. Enjoy Sunday Night Football, and we'll chat with you on Tuesday on NFL No Huddle. Thanks a lot, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. The passion. 15-10, The fury. Inhaled in the backfield. Sack for the Huskies. The speed. Here's a home run ball. He's out there. He catches it. The best in college football from coast to coast. Touchdown, Notre Dame. 13-0 Buckeyes. On the goal line. Touchdown, Texas. Ball's on the carpet. Georgia says we have it. He's in. Touchdown, Michigan. This is the Nissan College Football Blitz. Listen on Saturdays this fall on College Sports Now on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on today's top stories with Ian Rappaport from NFL Network. Now it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the rap sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. 
And we appreciate the time once more. It's a Sunday filled with injuries connected to marquee quarterbacks. Let's start with Jay Cutler. What can you tell us about his chest injury? Well, at this point, um, you know, obviously it's of the serious variety. He's got to get an MRI. He's got to get x-rays, um, which obviously is a sign they think it's something potentially serious. He was immediately ruled out of the game, which is never a good sign. Um, and they think they know what it is. So, you know, a lot of times that can mean um, something maybe in the rib area, just based on the description, how he walked off and what the hit looked like. The tough thing for the Dolphins is that they play Thursday night. So if it's any injury of significance, then you'll probably see a situation where you see Matt Moore against the Ravens on Thursday night football. And, you know, the Cleveland Browns almost won their first game of the season. Right now uh-huh. they're 0-7. And Joe Thomas, who's the elder statesman of that uh, organization, suffers what appeared to be uh, some kind of maybe lower leg injury. Or, uh, how does this affect his uh, uh, consecutive snap streak being a member of the Cleveland Browns? Well, the snap streak is over. Um, you know, it was an unbelievable, one of the most unbelievable streaks in the NFL, but it's over. Um, and it's actually a tricep injury, and, and they think it is serious. Um, that is, you know, that is not good. And, and Joe Thomas said he doesn't know if he's going to be able to return this season. And that's, you know, that really quickly indicates what what this is going to be like. I mean, when it's tricep, when it's serious, when he doesn't know if he's going to return, you know, you're looking at um, uh, potentially a franchise left tackle ending the, the year on injured reserve. And, um, you know, it's he's been, you're right, an elder statesman. He's been a spokesman. He's been one of the rocks there. The season is going bad enough. That obviously is something they do not need. Taking you around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Ian in London, Carson Palmer, broken left arm. Is Arizona optimistic he could play again at the end of the season if they have something to play for? Uh, I wouldn't say optimistic. I think it's a theoretical possibility at this point. I mean, you know, you you just do the math, you figure, you know, could potentially be back by week 16. So then you lose, you know, and, and you know, obviously, I mean, it's a non-throwing hand, so that's good. But, you know, he's getting up in age. Um you know, if they're eight and seven or seven and seven, could he come back for the last couple of games? Possible, um, but are they going to remain in it? Considering they lost David Johnson, now Carson Palmer, both probably going to go on injured reserve. That seems to me like a tall task. I think you're looking at, you know, Drew Stan um, just being the guy moving forward and Blaine Gabbert the backup, and you know, we'll see, we'll see kind of where that stands. Delaney Walker uh, plays a big part of the Titans' offense and a reliable option for Marcus Mariota. Uh, what is his status at this point? Yeah, I mean, you saw him hobble off with, with what looked like a lower leg injury. And, you know, he had kind of uh, – he had battled a couple of different injuries, came into the game questionable with a calf injury, um, and such an underrated, really good part of that offense. Kind of really one of the more underrated players in the NFL just based on how many plays – um, but, you know, that did not look good. I think his, it was his foot getting caught underneath someone, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, he's going to have an MRI tomorrow, but um, another Titan gimpy, and they seem like for their playmakers especially, they've had a whole season full of them. Ian, time for our weekly Ezekiel Elliott injunction <laughs> update. We know he's playing today, and he has a pair of rushing touchdowns on the road in San Francisco, eligible to play next week, and then what are the next legal steps? Yes, so there is a October 30th hearing right now that is scheduled for Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, if that holds, the NFL is trying to get it moved up a couple of days, but if that holds, that means he will be able to play 
against the Redskins. Then he'll have his hearing on Monday in the in the uh, Southern District Court of New York. If he gets the uh, preliminary injunction, then basically it puts off his suspension for probably the rest of the season. If he does not get his preliminary injunction, then he could appeal to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, try to get a hearing in front of all the judges. So he's still got cards to play, uh, but obviously next, not this, but next Monday's hearing was absolutely huge. And last one for me, you know, Joe Flacco has been struggling so far this season, and he hasn't really had any uh, weapons outside the number. Mike Wallace, a very speedy receiver, went out in the first quarter with a concussion against the Minnesota Vikings. Have you heard any update on where he is and his status? Yeah, it doesn't look good there. You know, we've seen almost no players come back from Sunday to Thursday with a concussion. You know, and it and sounds like Macklin will be back. Uh, that's what I was told. He was held out today more as a precaution than anything, but sounds like he will be back. Um, but does not look good for Mike Wallace out there on Thursday. And, you know, he's lost a lot of weapons. Obviously, it's not easy for Joe Flacco, but um, he really needs to play better. And as an offense in general, you talk about Marty Morningwick, the OC, um, I don't know. But, but Flacco, of course, needs to play better himself. It has to start soon. Ian, great information as always. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll chat with you on Wednesday on NFL No Huddle. All right. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. One, two, three. Let's go. Playlists and hit songs picked out for you by your favorite social influencers right here on Herdwell Radio. Hit music. Let's go. From lit jams to sleepy time songs, we'll play the best music that you need to know. Check out our specially curated playlists like the hashtag What's Trending Hour or our Chart Toppers Mix. Keep the party going with our weekend brunch mixes or our nightly hype mix. No matter what time of day, Herdwell Radio's got you covered. You bring the party, we got the music. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Let's spotlight the Bills with Mark Kelso, game analyst for the Bills Radio Network. Mark, as you think about this game and what's been happening in Western New York, it feels like new head coach Sean McDermott is changing the culture of this football team. Yeah, it certainly seems like some of the things that they've initiated here at One Bills Drive have been starting to bear some fruit. and They've been playing really well in the defense side of the football and then and taking care of the opportunities that they have offensively in the running game got going again uh, today i think it kind of found some legs this afternoon and and uh, hopefully that will continue they they failed to capitalize on a couple opportunities but they've been they've been playing consistently well they don't give up big plays uh, and today where they were able to create some big plays as well but but a lot of fluctuation in the roster and, and the roster has turned over tremendously between last year with Coach Ryan and, and this year with Coach McDermott and this new staff. But I think he's got a lot of veteran players. He's got a lot of guys who understand that uh, that, that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, and and uh, those guys play well together as a unit. And, and the secondary particularly has been playing you know, at a really high level. So, I mean, things things are looking positive, but they needed every ounce of energy today to, to, to squeak out a victory against Tampa Bay. And then, Tampa Bay was just uh, unbelievable offensively. Jameis Winston was as good as I've ever seen him play, and I haven't studied him a whole lot, but seen him on films a number of times. He's a lot of offensive weapons, and they were they were they played extremely well today and gave the Bills a really great contest. Mark Nick Ferguson here. You know, at the beginning of the season, it was been a slow start for Lashawn McCoy. Finally, he found pay dirt two times in the end zone. What does it mean? when you have both Tyrod Taylor working from the quarterback standpoint and Shady McCoy adding 
plays, not just in the run game, but in the pass game. What does that mean for this Buffalo Bills offense? Well, it opens things up. I mean, there's a couple things that have happened. One is they, they haven't been able to stretch the field very much. And, and today they were able to with the addition of Deontay Thompson. I mean, he, he came in and, and no one even knows who he is. I don't know who he is, quite frankly, and six-year player out of out of Florida and, and was released a week and a half ago. And he provided a, a little vertical stretch here this afternoon. And then LaShawn McCoy is the best playmaker that this Bills, this Bills offensive unit has. And you got to get him touches. You got to get him touches in a running game and in the passing game. And and quite frankly, they 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 have to do it a little bit more in the passing game right now, and then use the play action pass to try to open up the run game. It seems to be most efficient the run game does when when Demarco's in the backfield and when when he's running it from the H back position or from a fullback position. It seems like when they have their best success running the football, and and hopefully they found that again today. I think they executed that well. Uh, against Atlanta earlier in the year when they had that big victory down there in, in Atlanta. And uh, so so hopefully those things can continue. But as soon as you get LaShawn McCoy the, the ball in, in, in space, I mean, he's going to make people miss. There's no question about that because he, he, if he's not the best, uh, you know, the best running back in the league or, or has the best lateral quickness, he's one of the top three for sure. We are spotlighting the 4-2 Buffalo Bills with Mark Kelso from the Bills Radio Network. Mark will Think about what Tyrod Taylor agreed to do in the offseason with the restructuring. So clearly he wanted to remain with the Bills. Where do you think he is at this stage of his career? Uh, I still think they're they're writing the book on him, and I don't think we know exactly what we have. I mean, there's some things that he does really well, and there's some things that that he's still continuing to work on. I mean, the middle of the field, he gets reluctant to throw in the middle of the field sometimes. I think because he doesn't have a good sight line because of, uh, his, his his physical stature, which is only it's just about six foot, so I don't know that he has a sight line all the time, and sometimes we can see sight lines a little better than he can. So uh, I think that's one of the things. I think sometimes I, I think he has to be a little bit better anticipation passer and throwing guys open and, and throwing the ball to the back shoulder. Did, a, did that beautifully today uh, on a throw to Nick O'Leary down the seam, and, and uh, that was a beautiful throw. And then he stepped outside the pocket and threw that long ball to Thompson uh, later in the game at the end on that last drive, which which capped the victory. And and uh, or at least, excuse me, that that, that was the the tying score. That, that then after the fumble recovery, they were able to to uh, to have the field goal for the go ahead. But uh, but Tyrod, when he's decisive, he is really good. He can hurt you with his legs. He's got good improvisational skills. He throws a really crisp ball and a catchable ball. And uh, I, he just has to trust himself, really. From my standpoint, when he is decisive and he lets balls go, that he really makes good decisions. And sometimes he's reluctant to let it go because I think he feels like he's going to make a mistake. And, and he's reluctant to make mistakes. He doesn't make very many of them and doesn't turn the ball over very often. But some of that's because he's not quite as aggressive as he needs to be. And I think if he just allows himself to be aggressive, I think I think he can be the quarterback that's going to be here for the long term because he is just dynamic with his legs. He understands what he needs to do with the offense. And, and he throws an accurate ball, and he's got, he's got leadership qualities that are off the charts. So I think he's the guy that can really help lead this offensive team. He's just got to trust himself and trust those guys he's playing with, and he hasn't played with a lot of those guys for any length of time. So as they play together here through the course of the season, they'll develop a a really strong rapport. Mark, right now when you look at the AFC East standing, everything looks to be really crowded. Everyone is 4-2. The Patriots play later on tonight against 
uh, the Atlanta Falcons. From what you've seen thus far from the defensive side of the ball, with Sean McCoy today and Tyrod Taylor, do you think that this team has what it needs to overtake the New England Patriots finally for that divisional crown? Yeah, I mean, hard to say. I mean, I don't usually like to talk about being an ex-player, but in this respect, I will talk about it. And and as an ex-player, you can't look further forward, uh, further forward than that than the next week on your schedule. You really can't because there, there's such parity in the league, and every team is good. And if you don't play efficiently and consistently on a weekly basis, you're not going to come out with a victory. I mean, I never thought the game would be as close today as it was. I thought the Bills on paper. Uh, were a team that, that had uh, talent that was a little bit better than uh, than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, although they, they have some significant talent, no question. But it felt like the Bills are a little bit better on paper and they have them in their own building. So it should be a game they maybe win by seven points or, or maybe even they if, if they put together some good drives and have some turnovers, maybe a, maybe a ten-point game. But this this, this game, they're, they're fortunate that they won this game and they kept fighting the entire game, but in the end, I mean, the Buccaneers had them on the ropes at the end until they came back with that uh, that three-play long scoring drive to tie the game up late in the game. So you, you just you cannot look past that next week. You just cannot do it. I mean, if if you're saying can the Bills make the playoffs if they win nine games, I'm not sure about that. Can they make the playoffs if they win ten? I would think that if they win ten games this year in the AFC, that that if they if that doesn't win the division, it would at least secure them a wild card spot. But I think that's what you have to look at and say, okay, now what's next week hold for us? And and the Oakland Raiders are coming to town, and and Derek Carr in my mind is, is one of the best young quarterbacks in the game. It is just dynamic. He's got a lot of playmakers on the offensive side of the football, and and on paper they're, they're probably a better team than the Bills because they were they were favored to win the, their division this year, certainly and contend for an AFC uh, championship this year. So you got to say. They're in your building. We've got to play at a really high level. We, we cannot turn the ball over. We can't make mistakes. And then hopefully you come out of here with a victory. And then I think the Bills set themselves up to uh, to be in position when they have those runs at the end of the season with with all those conference games against Miami and uh, and New England within a within a four or five week span. They play those guys uh, both those teams twice. Mark, we know it's a long broadcast day for you. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us. We do a seven-hour show with live listen-ins, and it's always fun to pick up your call with John Murphy. We can tell the passion and energy you have on the Bills radio network. Uh, we appreciate it, guys, and it's 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 a blessing to be able to do it. And it's it's really fun in Buffalo, honestly, because, I mean, it, it was packed. I mean, I don't know if there was an empty seat in the house except people who were in the concession area. And, uh, and it was great. The fans were great. The 12th man was a big advantage for the Bills today. And Tampa Bay had all kinds of trouble offensively getting plays in, although Jameis Winston did a great job of adjusting at the line of scrimmage. But uh, the fans gave the Bills a good advantage today. They enjoy a good advantage when they're at home. So uh, we appreciate that. But have a good afternoon. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Country Roads, your all-access pass to everything Nashville. There's a lot better music selection. Marin Morris. Kenny Chesney. Florida Georgia Line. Sam Hunt. Hey, we're all Dominion. We're all we written in the same. Plus news and interviews with your favorite country stars. Thomas Rhett. You're not giving more than you can handle, and so every day just kind of has its own challenges. I'm Kelly Sutton, bringing you the hottest new country songs on Country Roads. I'm Luke Bryan, cruising the country roads with you on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time to check in with my NFL No Huddle co-host, Cordell Stewart, recapping all of Sunday's action. Cordell, we have to start in Denver. Before you joined us, we passed along the stats. Chargers won 21-0. Denver shut out for the first time since November of 1992. Is it time for a quarterback change in Denver? No, no, no. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't jump the gun uh, that fast to go to who? Brock Osweiler? Yep, it's Brocktober, partner. Yeah, Brocktober. <laughs> yeah, okay. So we can really go in and, and annihilate what they have going on. I mean, you know, the, the question is, is, is how bad uh, is Trevor Simeon as a starting quarterback of this football team first? I think that's something you have to ask yourself before you really make a hasty decision like that, in my opinion. Um, I know sometimes when having tough games, it's easy to – want to go to the next guy, but then you have to ask yourself, who is that next player? Uh, who is that next player that can give us a chance to to win a football game or two? And if it's Brock Osweiler, I would really take my time before I allow myself to, to throw it all in the bucket, so to speak, to say that's the guy I want to go to. So I know sometimes when it's tough sledding, it's natural to want to make a move. Uh, but as a head coach, one thing I've learned in this game, especially when we're only, what, week seven? of this season, six or seven for some, uh, you, you have to be patient and allow the game to be played in a way that gives you an opportunity really to exalt all of the opportunities uh, that you've had. So I wouldn't jump the gun uh, to go to Brock Osweiler. Uh, 25 of 20, 25 of 37, uh, 35, excuse me, three, 207 yards, one INT. Tough game. It happens to the best of them. And I'm, trust me, Trevor Simi is not one of the best. But he is the one that is the starting quarterback for the Broncos. I wouldn't move to go to Brock Osweiler for nothing in the world as of right now yet. It would have to be a dying emergency for me to go to him. I wouldn't go to him right now. Well, how dire does it have to be? Because right now the Broncos have put two back-to-back poorest performances together on the offensive side, Cordell. Yeah, I mean, as much as as much as the way that sounds, it, it sounds like you should just make a move, right? Then go to Brock Osweiler. Then what happens? It gets worse. Well, you wait for Paxton Lynch to get healthy. Let me give you that stat one more time. They had not been shut out since 1992. You read Simeon's stats. He also lost a fumble. You watched some of that game, I'm presuming. He just looks out of sorts. Well, he looks out of sorts. I mean, shoot. At the end of the day, we're sometimes out of sorts when we're on air. I know you two are out of sorts. I know you two are out of sorts. I mean, you guys are sitting there, you know, rapping on that end of the side, on that end of the stick. <laughs> whoa, whoa, and then you got the redhead guy next to you, Nick Ferguson. <laughs> He's just talking just because he can. All I'm saying is basically, I wouldn't jump the gun to get rid of him. I know it was a shutout since they were, just because they were shut out since back in Jovember, not November, Jovember. Yeah, I know you get nervous. 1992, you get Cordell. What were you doing in 1992? 1992. Oh, man. College, I was right? I was a sophomore in college. That's a long, long, long time ago. And every once in a while, wilding. you know, ends up coming back. Just out there wilding. Yeah, I was wilding. I was having a good time. I had a Jerry curl too by then. Too. Oh, we need to find a picture of that. Greasy, no, you're greasy. not <laughs> Yeah, you're not getting that. Nick Ferguson, Brian, I know you had a Jerry curl back in New York. Yeah, I love You my guys were wearing Jerry curls back you. there. In the- <laughs> Nick, ask him what? a football question, please. What, 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 I'm, what I want to get to, uh, uh, Cordell, you know, no Aaron Rodgers this week, and he's out for the season, and Brett Hundley comes in, and I know he he made a couple plays with his feet. And what we were talking about here was, you know, 12-25 for 87 yards and one interception. You know, how can Green Bay actually, you know, move ahead and move Minnesota out of the way if you're not passing the ball? Because you need to have balance. Yeah, balance is important. And, And this is my thing. 
when it comes down to that division. I picked Minnesota from, what, summer camp? I just picked them because I saw what they were bringing back. Um, nothing to do with necessarily Aaron Rodgers being missed uh, to the lack of consistency, let's just say, overall on this team as far as balance is concerned. I think for some time they've had a hard time to have that balance on that team, even with Aaron Rodgers. I thought, as Brian sometime alluded to on our show, far as him having to carry the load, and it wasn't because the team wasn't good enough. It's just based on how they actually do the play calling. And my my thing is, when you look at Aaron Jones, who's the tailback of this football team, um, I think he runs hard. I think he runs tough. He gave 131 yards. He put up a touchdown. I'm like, when it's all said and done in the end, I thought it was okay, but you have to get your quarterback involved to where you're throwing the football. And I just think right now, um, you know, 12 of 25 is not enough against a team uh, that has a, one of the elite quarterbacks in this game that, that's gotten pretty hot over the last few weeks. Uh, that's in Drew Brees. Uh, he puts up 324. Um, I think really it really showed its ugly face on how much Aaron Rodgers is needed on this team. The injuries were, I think they were really exposed offensive line-wise. Uh, defensively, as far as the deficiencies are concerned there, they were exposed because their inability of being able to score at any moment. And that reason is is largely because Aaron Rodgers is not in the mix. So now this is a totally different football team than what it was before. I still say it's the second best team in this division, still uh, better than Detroit, I would say. Uh, this is a team right now that's 3-1 and one at home, have a 4-3 and three record overall, you know, you have to ask yourself this question. Can they consistently play good enough football, which wasn't good enough today, good enough football to put themselves in position to have a chance to be the second-best team in this division? I said it before. I'll say it even more now. They have Detroit, Chicago, Baltimore. We saw what Chicago did today. Uh, this is a defense that had, what, two turnovers uh, that was taken back to the house I mean, what more can you ask for and what they were capable of doing against, um, let's just say, a team that was average at best uh, when it's all said and done? Trust me, at the end of the day, Chicago is playing much better football because of Mitchell Trubisky. They beat a, a Carolina Panthers team, I would say got beat up by Philadelphia and was only capable of putting up three points today. I mean, think about that. That's 14 points scored by the other side of the football when it comes down to it. So, um when looking at this for Green Bay, I know I alluded to some other things, but looking at Green Bay, it's going to be tough for them. Um, I think you could crown Minnesota right now. I'm going to. Uh, I like what they have with Case Keenum. I, threw, I know he threw a pick, uh, but I think overall this team is still good enough to be the better team in that division. And I just think they have to figure out what's their approach moving forward for Green Bay as Huntley as their quarterback. Uh, because what he did today while scoring one on the ground, what, 87 yards? Eesh, under 100 yards passing? That's not good enough. Taking you around the league with Cordell Stewart. Join us tomorrow every weekday, NFL No Huddle, 4 p.m. Eastern. It's a final in Pittsburgh. The Steelers defeat the Bengals 29-14. to Final seconds at MetLife Stadium. Seattle going to defeat the New York Football Giants 24-7. to So, Cordell, when we were in our prediction mode preseason, you and I both like Tampa Bay. Well, they lost again today on the road in Buffalo. You talked about Carolina's challenges on the road in Chicago. They lost. When we were picking the games on Friday, you told me Atlanta's going to lose to New England tonight on Sunday Night Football. So even though you're from New Orleans and have seen the Saints repeatedly, 
How much you buying the Saints now? They've won four consecutive games. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good streak they have. You have to believe they're playing with confidence. Defensively, they're stepping up. They're playing a little bit better offensively. Offensively, we knew who they were. Um, for me in this division, uh, it's anybody's right now. Uh, it can go either way. Uh, you know for sure we're going to have a chance in a moment to watch the Atlanta Falcons. And what have we seen this team do at home? Um, they they lost two games at home, and we saw them give up a 17-point lead uh, after being up 17 nothing. And then all of a sudden, um, this team is is fighting for their for their lives. You have Julio Jones, who hadn't scored a touchdown yet. Um, you wonder if they're going to target him a little bit more to try to force that issue, which we know Bill Belichick has been very – uh, creative when it comes to taking those strengths away. I know it seemed like it may not be a strength right now, uh, but at the same time, I would say um, this is one of those situations where I don't think he's going to allow him to wake up against them. So uh, it, it's, it's it's a division right now where the Saints playing the way they're playing. I know I've counted them out because I, I've never uh, bought into their defense and their philosophy as in allowing the offense uh, to be the ones that get it done on a consistent basis. But it's anybody division. Four and two overall, three and one uh, on the road. It's pretty darn impressive. How about the Rams? Well, let's ram it, pal. Well, well, well speaking of that, Cordell, I was going to ask you that question. You know, the Rams are five and two, and right now in the Seattle Seahawks, we're watching the final seconds tick off the clock, uh, and they have a 24-7 victory over the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. When we look, because we're constantly talking about you know, Sean McVay, Jerry Goff, and this Rams defense and team as a whole, from what you've seen thus far up to this point of the season, we're at the midway point. Are you all in on the Rams actually winning the division and solidifying a top seed and the NFC? Hmm. That's a really, really good question because I have said I am drinking a Kool-Aid. But swallow it all. Don't, don't just gargle it. Just swallow no, it. No, I don't do what y'all do. <laughs> y'all choke. Because <laughs> that's what y'all doing with the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. You boys are choking over there. You guys right now have a chance to talk about the Jacksonville we'll Jaguars. We'll you both there. are alluding. Oh, you're not going to get there because you're not going to have any time. You're just answer my no, question. No, no. Just answer King the question. I am answering the question. I'm answering the way I want to, Nick Ferguson. What I'm basically telling you both, you guys are choking, and I'm not drinking a Kool-Aid till I choke with the Rams, okay? What I'm saying is about the Rams is everything that they've done has proven I think to everyone that they're capable of doing what it is they want to do when it comes to playing their style of football. Jared Goff is really playing good. This defense we asked a question last week about Adrian Peterson. I, the question was are you believing what Adrian Peterson is doing yeah, how'd that against work out this today? defense? Against this defense. <laughs> I said well because we did get one game and he did play a good football game. Is Bruce Aarons going to stick to it? And I said, if I had to trust one side or the other, I'll stick to that defense of Wade Phillips being consistent because we've seen them play well all year than I would dialing up everything and putting one egg in one basket, all my eggs in one basket with Bruce Arians and thinking he's going to have that approach again. So I picked the Rams to win that game because I wasn't sure what Bruce Arians was going to do with Adrian Peterson. And here it is, Carson Palmer get knocked out of the game. So luckily for me, I didn't pick the, the, the Arizona Cardinals, not for those reasons, but for the reasons that I knew that this defense would play a little bit better than the consistent mindset of running the football with the other team. But I'm buying the Rams. Um, can they win a division? Yes, they can. They've proven they can go on the road and be successful. They've proven that throughout their schedule so far. 
So can they get it done? I will say yes, they can get it done. Will they get it done? They're going to have to get a win against Seattle when they go on the road to play against Seattle for that to come to fruition for them. Are they playing good enough football? Yes. I think within that division, honestly, they're playing some of the best football in that division. There's no other team playing as consistent as this, as this team is playing when it comes down to what they're doing on defense, what they're doing on offense, and how they're getting some play out of their special team. So, Sean McVay, when you say everyone's talking about him, you have to because this offense is playing some of the best football. Look at Ty Gurley again. Another 106 yards and had a few more yards in the air when it comes down to the passing game uh, for Ty Gurley, 48 yards in the air. So when you really add it up with what they're doing, the question is, what can't this Rams team do? I would say it's going to come down to experience in those tough moments of some games that's going to test, it's going to test their mental and, and emotional, fortitude, emotional fortitude if they can win those types of football games. If they can get in those trenches and get battle-tested, similar to what they had an opportunity to do against the Seattle Seahawks and end up losing that football game, if they can learn from that experience, this team can really shock a lot of people uh, when it comes down to how this season could end for them because they have the recipe to be really good. They just have to continue to play this type of football. Rams 5-2 and two, heading into the bye. We'll get the latest on Carson Palmer out with the broken left arm coming up in 10 minutes when we chat with Peter King, MMQB. All right, Cordell, you forced us to talk about Jacksonville, but I'm going to do it this way. The Colts suffering their first shutout since 1993. Who is going to be the head coach next year in Indianapolis? Oh, so we're going to pass the quarterback to the head coach on this one. Right to the head coach, our dear friend Chuck Pagano. I said said this this early in the year. Like, you know, when you have your quarterback um, who had the injury that he did have and, and, and get it surgically repaired in January, then you have Cam Newton getting his surgically repaired in March and then he's not even on the football field, things are not working, you have to believe that they're actually going to go to the drawing board to figure out how do they start anew uh, with, this, with this coaching staff. And I think that's going to probably, probably be the most appeasing thing to do, I would say, for the fan base. I would say even for the, for, for the organization in general to the point where it's going to give them a chance to start all over again and, and, and try to put this young man, number 12, in the position uh, to have some form of success when he comes comes back in, because right now it's not looking good. I don't think it's necessarily about the donut. I just think it's about the inconsistent play of this football team and their approach from a defensive standpoint, and even the problem they having with their quarterback on the offensive side of the football. So everything inclusive when it comes to issues, I think will apply uh, to how they actually go about trying to figure out who's going to be the next head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. But your Jaguars. Again, you guys still alluding. You went straight to Indianapolis. Uh-huh. You talk about Jacksonville. How about Blake Bortles? How did he play Brian Weber? The guy that you say is no good. The kid goes out and have a stellar game. You tell me about Blake Bortles. <laughs> you tell me, Brian. What about Blake Bortles? How's it go, Cordell? Fool me once, fool me. Down. I, I don't want to go down the Jacksonville road just yet. Yes, it was a team win without Leonard Fournette. But, Nick, if I could speak for you, we're not crowning anybody just yet. Right, Mr. Ferguson? No, no, we're not. And here's the difference between B-Webb and myself. Go uh, ahead. Let me hear this difference because yes, you guys yes. are sitting next to each other. Go ahead. No, but here's the difference. Like, f- for us, yeah, we talk about the Jags a lot. And, yes, they went out and beat up on Chuck Pagano's uh, kind of uh, deficient NFL football coach. team. Just call but, it NFL but, football nah, team. They're not on scholarship but, but, in Indiana. But, but here's the thing. 
See, we, we know it. We watch the games and we see it. So we don't have to gloat like you might gloat if no, whether it's your, it's your Steelers. Gloating. or it's so, not gloating. No, because many times, Nick, you come and say, like I told you guys, you do it all the time. No, don't I, get it twisted. You hey, come listen, on the show all the time. Hey, when listen. you're on our show on Fridays, you do it. And when you're on here, you do it too. So don't cut it, cut it out. Well, cut but, it out. We, yeah. we are professionals on first and go. So. Oh, you oh, first, oh, you think <laughs> yeah, you are. We are. You, sure? <laughs> you think you are. You, sure you, you want me to show you what's not? Listen. You guys have written with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's not about gloating. It's about being factual. This team is playing much better football than they played in how many years? But they have an approach where they have an identity to where you could talk about the sacks that they got on the defensive but Cordell, side. But, let me football. ask you this question. Go ahead, ask it. In, in high school, in college, and even in the pros, when you Go knew ahead. that you were better than your opponent, did you walk around and pat your chest and – you know, poke it out and, and trash talk. I don't believe you did that. So that's the way we feel. We don't. We feel as though we don't have to lower it's ourselves a, it's a talk down show. It's a to talk those show. levels. We talk. You're supposed to talk about what you mentioned. You're supposed to talk about the things that you said was gonna gonna allow certain teams to we be did. great. And, and you guys are running from the Jackson. You know what? You you both you both are such cowards. Wow. <laughs> you Wrong both words. both of you are such cowards. You tech Brian. You came out and said, you know what? They're going to the Super Bowl. And you know what you said, Nick Ferguson? Mixologist, rap, rap artist of the year. What's that? Uh, uh, you said that this team was going to win a division. Okay, right now, now, they're in position news, all right? to be Malik pretty Jackson good. Jackson said they were going to the Super Bowl. Exactly. See, I just really no, is, no, right? no, no. No, you know what? We're going to get Average Abe, the producer of our show. We're going to pull this up this week. We're going to find that. Find we're going to hear you say, Brian Weber, <laughs> yes, when sir. you come on on Friday, next Friday, when we have you on, Nick, we're going to play that back to you, saying, hearing this guy saying, they're going to the Super Bowl. Yes, I said it. That's what he said. He said Super Bowl. You You'll said never find it. I burned the tape before I leave. Oh, no, you we didn't have burn 30 it. minutes with you before Peter King joins us, and then you and I have 15 hours together this week. Pittsburgh now the best team in the AFC. Are you going to make that statement? Steelers the best team in that conference. I'll say with what they've been doing over the last couple weeks, it's going to be tough to beat that style of football, honestly, because the football we saw at Roosevelt Knicks uh, being the head, being the, 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 the front runner for us, being able to open some holes with this offensive line, uh, it, it's really making life so much easier for Ben Roethlisberger. It's making life so much easier for Ted Healy uh, when it comes down to play calling. Uh, it really sets everything up for the play-action pass and being able to get the football down the field to your playmakers. Um, that's the football that I know of Pittsburgh. That's the football that I know in the month of October, November, December that becomes extremely hard to stop. Um, and if they can continue this, you get Le'Veon Bell involved. Uh, you get all the receiving core across the board. You do fake punts with a little trickery you throw in there into the mix as well. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, can really position themselves, I would say, uh, to be able to be one of the better teams. I mean, anytime Ben can come out without throwing throwing interceptions, uh, he could put up some touchdowns. Le'Veon Bell gave up, gave you 134 yards rushing. Uh, he gave you 58 yards in the air. I mean, all that good stuff, it, it, it really allows you, because it's all about number 26 in the backfield in his offensive line. All the other stuff on the outside will come. But when you can set the tone, it masks a lot of things, interceptions, uh, deficiencies when it comes to the passing game, which everybody thought was going to be their strong suit, which now it over the last couple of weeks is proven that the running game is truly their strong suit. Uh, so for me, I just I just like the position the Steelers are in. Um, I'm not going to jump too far out there, but this style of football I've seen over the years, 
Uh, it truly works when you commit to it. And if they can consistently find their way with doing this and allow the passing game to come over some time, um, I think it's going to be tough to stop this football team. We're going to, like I said a moment ago, we're going to get a chance to see New England tonight, who is sneaky, sneaky uh, in the sense of how they're coming back around and, and, and making plays. They're not uh, getting a total beat down as much. The Jets just lost. Miami just won. Um, it, it's 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 one of those things in the AFC where it's kind of going back and forth a little bit, right? It's not always. It's not heavily lean, leaning. On to Kansas City, it's not heavily leaving on, leaning on to uh, the New England Patriots. But then you have a Miami Dolphins team quietly. They're four and two. They're two and one at home. You have a Steelers team that got two back-to-back wins. You had an Oakland Raiders team who stole one um, against a, a team within their division. Obviously, Kansas City. So it, it's really becoming to be a division. A team. Tennessee went on the road, stole that win from Cleveland, which I said was going to be a tough game. Um, you know, it, it's you got. I, I, it may be a stretch, but the Los Angeles Chargers end up not a know, stretch. knocking off a, a Denver Broncos team that was one of those teams yep. up top. So it's really creating parity throughout the AFC to where it's kind of up for grabs. And yes, it's okay to say Pittsburgh is the front runner as of right now. What's wilder this year across the NFL or the notion of you rocking a Jerry Curl back in the day? Well, back in the day, the Jerry Curls was normal. Nick Ferguson had one. You whoa, had an ultra whoa, 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 whoa. Don't put Brian, that on me. Brian, whatever you <laughs> Don't put. Hey, listen, one thing about those Jerry Curls. You had a Jerry Curl with a goatee. Go ahead. Man. No, go no, ahead. No, I'm re- listening. Really quickly before we let you go. <laughs> in order to have a Jerry Curl, you have to have money. Right? You just, oh, no, yeah, well, you, yeah. Well, yeah, I was in the family. Stewart, we, they we, came we, from the mead streets of Miami, yeah, right? We were poor. Oh, we were God, poor. So, so, so we Jerry we Curls with 25 bucks. Cut it out. Whatever. 25 bucks. You cut a loan or two, you had it. <laughs> <laughs> you cut a loan or two, you had the money to get it done. Nah, that's all right. I'm going to leave that um, to you, my friend. I would say it was, oh, I did. I cut, I had, I had carried a bunch of edgers and lawnmowers and, and, and gas cans with me four or five yeah. blocks. Just Plus to get, all that money you got in Colorado when you signed up with that story. Don't tell me. Don't yeah, tell her to be During the summertime, I got it. I got it at the summer, mm. over the summertime when I did little graveyard ships at the, some of the shipyards. Yeah. Um, Peter King's I coming was, up, pal, so we have I to I would say the, the, the most impressive thing right now is, is the, I would say, how the National Football League, the landscape of the National Football League. Think of it. The Chicago Bears with Mitchell Trubisky meet the Carolina Panthers, who was a team that we thought was be one of those better teams. The New Orleans Saints goes on the road, beat Green Bay, and Aaron Rodgers is injured, and that was one of the reasons why that happened. I mean, think of the Philadelphia Eagles, how much of the great football, I would say, they're playing right now to where arguably they're the best team in the NFC. I mean, look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not not getting on you guys. I'm no, just jokingly say that all the time. The there's a lot to like. Come on. And here's That's the a good lot news. of great stuff. Go Peter ahead. King does not want to hear any more of this nonsense. He's on hold. So we say goodbye, Cordell. I'll chat with you tomorrow, okay? Tell Peter I said hi. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Anthony Valadez. We have a new music channel exclusively on TuneIn, Indieclectic. It's home for the emerging and boundary-pushing artists. From soul to electronic, folk to world sounds, hip-hop to jazz. Music should inspire you. It should challenge you and make you feel some sort of way. All hand-picked gems from the likes of Nick Hakim. The bands that are featured on the record are all bands that I plan. What's next? British sensation Jaybird stopped by for a live session and a performance of her single, Cathedral. I heard it from the out of the cathedral. Baby, I was gonna break your heart. 
Latin alternative breakout artist H.L. stopped by to discuss his inspiration. There's been many phases in my life now since Harlem, but it definitely pushes me. And then going downtown, you can't get in a club, you know, you're outside and then you see like Kid Cudi going inside, you know, just seeing all that being right next to you, people rubbing shoulders, knowing that it's possible. It's all encouraging. From the record bins to the blogosphere and into your ears, it's Indieclectic, heard exclusively on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on Minnesota with former Vikings linebacker Ben Lieber from the Vikings Radio Network. Ben, we appreciate you taking the time on a game day. Minnesota beating Baltimore 24-16. What stood out to you today? Well, my pleasure, guys, coming out to you guys. Uh, it's always fun to go back on the air when the, when the Vikings win. It's a little easier to talk about, right? No question about it. You've had a lot of success to dissect. What was the winning formula today? Well, you know what? We all, we all knew it was going to be a defensive battle uh, for both teams. Um, Vikings offensively really sort of adjusted uh, towards the end of the first half, uh, found some soft spots in the middle of the defense where they could throw the ball in the middle. The receivers are starting to sit down in some of those zones uh, and, and sort of you know march the ball down the field. You know, usually it ended up in a field goal, but at least they were winning the field position battle and they were getting points on the board. And then defensively, I think they, everybody knew that with, with Flacco having an injured back and not 100% and a decimated wide receiver core, even more uh, hit with Mike Wallace being knocked out with concussion early in the game, that it was just going to be easy picking. Not a whole lot of passes down the field. And so they could, sh- they could sit in the, the, the short zones and just pick off all those small passes horizontally and just come up and make the plays. So um, it, it was a, a nice execution both uh, on offense and defense for the Vikings. Ben, Nick Ferguson here. At the start of the season, you know, Dalvin Cook pretty much razzled and dazzled a lot of Minnesota Vikings fans. Uh, he suffers that season-ending injury. Uh, Jarek McKinnon comes in, and he's excellent over the past two weeks. But how impressive was it to see Latavius Murray for the first time this season after having the suffering that ankle injury come out and actually go over 100 yards? Well, it's huge for this, for this offense, and obviously big for him. I mean, the Vikings – fans and nation don't really understand what type of player he is. I mean, they watch highlights and stuff of him in Oakland, but they don't really know what type of player he is. And he didn't look that good in the first couple of games, but in the first few carries that he's had with the Vikings coming off that, that ankle injury. And, and many people wondered, what are they doing signing this guy? You know, is he actually going to be a help at all to this offense? So it was, it was big on a lot of levels, obviously personally for Latavius. And I think the fan base needed to see some validation to picking him up in the off season. So, uh, it, he was much more productive. Um, you could tell that he was he was kind of confusing and putting the, the the Ravens defense on their heels. And you know, anytime you can do that as an offense, that's when you uh, you have the advantage. Spotlighting the first place Vikings with Ben Lieber, former Viking linebacker, sideline analyst, Vikings Radio Network. Ben Case Keenum typically does not blow anyone away statistically, and that was the case again today. Didn't have a touchdown pass through an interception, but he's the winning quarterback. Could you argue he's been the best free agent addition to quarterback any team made in the offseason? Yeah, it's really looking like that. And I think, you know, they, they looked at Sam Bradford's situation, and uh, I'm sure his agents and himself saw, hey, here's a great opportunity that I may actually get in the game and uh, a lot of games and see if I can, you know, get an extension somewhere and, and keep my career going. So uh, it was Good insight by him and his agents, and it's worked out exactly how they've wanted. And I'd say what, everybody's embraced him. He has done a tremendous job of, of taking ownership of the offense. 
And, um, you know, he's, he's playing solid football. You know, he's playing winning football. And like you said, his stats won't blow you away, but he's, he's getting the guys in and out of the huddle with command and respect. And, and guys are running the right routes. And he's got the right chemistry with the receivers. Um, you know, it was a, it was a good Baltimore Ravens uh, defense that he played against, especially pass defense. So he, he knew that he was going to have some tight windows to throw into. And, you know, they frustrated Adam Thielen a lot. Uh, I think they targeted um, they targeted him like 12 or 13 times. And, and uh, you know, the corners are up in his face. I've never seen Thielen so frustrated. He threw his helmet on the sideline at one point in time. So the strategy was working uh, on the pass defense. But, again, Case and the offense found a way to win. Ben, you get a chance to see this offense up close and, and personal and watch them at practice. Uh, well, you know, Sam Bradford, uh, older player, paid a lot of money, dealing with some knee injuries right now. Teddy Bridgewater injured last year, uh, just came back to practice. And we're talking about Case Keenum. And you know, when you look at that quarterback situation, from a person who watches them all the time, how do you see this kind of shaping? I know it's a little early, you know, for us to look at the situation, but how do you see long-term this situation kind of shaping out? You just talked about how well the guys have uh, pretty much welcomed in Case Keenum. You know, I get the sense that that Sam won't come back much this year. I think he'll he'll give it a go. But at, at this point, you know, he doesn't look healthy to me. I know that he, it sounds like at least the reports are, he got a PRP injection in his knee, which is going to take, a little while to sort of kick in and for him to feel the the positive effects of that. But I'm just worried that if it is an arthritic knee and it is bone on bone, there's no escape in the pain. You know, he's going to be playing in pain, you know, the rest of his career, however long it's going to be. I don't see him being a a major player for this season. And and that probably means for the rest of his career Um, with Teddy, you know, I don't think that you can just arbitrarily throw him in there just because you feel like you're getting fan pressure and you want to see Teddy get some snaps. I mean, I think the only way that Teddy gets in is if Case falters, has a couple of bad games, and it's going to take a, a couple, maybe a few bad games for him, for them to make a change um, or an injury. So as long as, you know, as long as Case sort of controls his destiny and, and stays healthy and, and keeps winning games, I don't see how you can make any sort of change to get anybody else in there to take a look to really assess what you're going to do in the offseason. Um, let's just say Sam won't be here in the offseason, and if Teddy doesn't get in at all and we don't see any game reps, then you know I could see him getting a very, very team-friendly one-year deal and everybody just battles it out for next year. Ben, let's wrap it up with a big picture. TuneIn is a global brand. We have Viking fans listening around the world who are well aware that this team was 5-0 to start the year last year. You know the rest of that sentence. Why is this year going yeah. to be different for Minnesota? <laughs> well, I don't know if it's going to be different. You know, why? Why do you I'd have like confidence they can maintain their momentum? Um, because of last year, you know, they're a little more battle tested, and, and I think they have more quality depth at the offensive line, and that's really where it came down to last year. You know, once they had started having you know big injuries, and they, they bring in Jake Long, and he's sort of an experiment, and then he goes out with a ruptured Achilles. I think at that point, it was like all right, we've exhausted the waiver wire. We've exhausted everybody on the streets, and we don't have anybody else that can play. So guess what, guys? we got to play with what we have, and it just wasn't very good. So I think they've, they've brought in uh, better guys, more depth. Uh, Danny Isadora, 
uh, the rookie from Miami had to come in today for because of injury, and he played pretty well. So, and and they're really high on him too for just being a rookie. So it seems like, you know, if everybody can come back healthy for next week, and especially after the bye week, and you have quality guys like Isadora and, and Searles um, that are waiting in the wings as, no, as solid number twos, I don't think that you're going to have that big offensive dip, and I don't think the team's going to get as frustrated and sort of throw in the towel so early. Ben, we appreciate the insights. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes today on the NFL on TuneIn. No problem, guys. Anytime. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. Tomorrow's headlines before they go to print. I've just been handed some great reporting. Tomorrow's questions before anyone's asked them. Could you make an obstruction case? Tomorrow's conversation tonight. Who is there to stand up to the boss and speak truth to power? Not a single person. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. More than the day that was, it's the day that will be. Weeknights at 11 Eastern on MSNBC. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, Nick and I bring you the Playing With Science Checkdown. Gary O'Reilly and Professor Eric Goff. Gary, take it away. And thanks for helping us get the word out about Playing With Science. It's the show where jocks and geeks collide. The good news is nobody gets a concussion. It's the sports show where we explore the intersection between sports and science, say the physics behind an 80-yard bomb, all of the latest tech out there in the X Games. So today I have Professor Eric Goff with me, and he's going to break down the physics of the play that you have chosen from an earlier game. So, Professor Eddie Jackson, he's all yours. Thanks, Gary. Cam Newton fired a pass to Kelvin Benjamin at about 51 miles per hour, but Newton didn't know that physics would be on the field ready to contribute to an interception. Prince Amakamara's right arm was on Benjamin's chest, ready to employ Newton's third law and hit the ball with the same force the ball hit his arm. But when a football slams into a muscular arm entangled in a wide receiver, physics tells us that energy is lost. That 51-mile-per-hour pass jumped off the tangled players at only 20 miles an hour, but it was shot upward at roughly 64 degrees to the horizontal, and now gravity took over the play as the ball tumbled up in the air rising to 14 feet above the turf. Had the ball not lost as much energy on its initial collision, it would have gone higher, and Eddie Jackson would have had to stand still and wait for it to come down. But physics allowed Jackson to time his run perfectly to the ball after it was in the air for 1.7 seconds. He caught it while moving nearly 17 miles an hour, and that head start made all the difference. When he rounded the corner at midfield, he hit his top speed of almost 20 miles an hour and left the defense in the dust. The laws of physics just helped the Bears with a pick six on the Panthers. Well, there you go, guys. They're the numbers. They're special, just as Eddie Jackson is. And who knew Sir Isaac Newton was on the field for the Bears? Imagine 20 miles an hour, top speed. Olympic sprinters get to 22, but they don't go in pads or a helmet. Eddie Jackson, a name to remember. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. The passion. 25, first down, 20. 15, 10, 5, 3, 2, 1. The fury. Inhaled in the backfield. Sacked for the Huskies. The speed. Here's a home run ball. He's out there. He catches it. The best in college football from coast to coast. Touchdown, Notre Dame. 13 nothing Buckeyes. To the goal line. Touchdown, Texas. Ball's on the carpet. Georgia says we have it. He's in. Touchdown, Michigan. This is the Nissan College Football Bliss. Listen on Saturdays this fall on College Sports Now on TuneIn. 
This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast today, it's time to celebrate individual achievement with Nick's picks. You're listening to NFL First and Goal on TuneIn. It's time for Nick's Picks. When the sun comes up, the stars come out, and all that counts is what I do here and now. I bet your fantasy team will be glad that I came. After not posting a touchdown this season, LaShawn McCoy finally hits pay dirt. 19 carries, 90 rushing yards, 22 receiving, and two touchdowns. Hello, Mr. Enzo. Well, it's one for the money, so let's do it what I do. Three to get ready, so watch me bust a move. Todd Gurley proving that he is still the crown king of versatility. 22 carries, 106 yards, one touchdown rushing, and he added an additional 48 yards receiving for 154 yards of total offense as the Rams now move to 5-2 and two on the season. Patriots to the left of me, Bills to the right. I'm anything but stuck in the middle with you. Josh McCown continues to prove his pundits wrong as his body of work has gained green trending upwards. 16 to 24, 213 yards, three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, and one dismal interception. Just call him Mr. Green. Never want you to feel like I did that day. So watch me take it to a place I love. Let me lead the way. That's exactly what Latavius Murray did for his first big game since suffering an ankle injury a year ago. He finished today with 18 carries, 113 yards, and one touchdown. That is Nick's Picks. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.